Today is Thursday, January 5th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Damar Hamlin's condition appears to be improving as prayer takes center stage. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating. Share it with a friend, all that good stuff. Let's get through the news of the cray together. We love having you here with us every weekday morning at 7 a.m., bright and early, as always, with Billy Hallowell, Tregon Phillips on uh, vacation this week. Billy, are we cap? What's our caffeination level? Caffeinated well, ca- and contented? Yes, yeah, caffeinated <laughs> and contented. I was going to say, who's who's Trey? I don't even remember. <laughs> he is the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> Oh, well, so, I hope he's enjoying his vacation. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, we got a lot coming up to get to on the pod, uh, including talking about prayer. It's it's kind of incredible in the midst of this Damar Hamlin, just horrible situation that prayer is really taking center stage. We've got a great example of that we're going to get into. Also, Bill, you got a little bit on Franklin Graham's New Year's message. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he gave a stirring message, I think, one we've got to think about throughout this year, but also one that... You know, it kind of it kind of gets you a little bit because you think, man, we're in dire straits. We really are. Yeah, and uh, Billy and I are going to also talk to John Stolness, who you know from this podcast, doing uh, the main thing report once a week, and over at CBN News as well. John Stolness um, shared a powerful reminder after the Demar Hamlin incident, something that triggered him a memory that he had, where basically it prompts the question are you prepared to save someone's life a really important story that we're going to get to on today's main thing but first we are going to look at the news here in 90 seconds in the house republican leadership drama that continued yesterday after three failed votes on tuesday republican leader kevin mccarthy uh, is trying to get that role but so far he's being denied by a small group of republicans who Um, are looking for alternative candidates or they want concessions on other things, a whole host of reasons. The House can't really do anything. The members can't be sworn in until a speaker is chosen. Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin, he remains in critical condition, but according to a report from ESPN, doctors overnight got promising readings that they had been hoping to see by uh, this morning. That's that this came out yesterday. This is yesterday morning. Um, he couldn't go into specifics on it, but progress appears to be made. So continued prayers there. And also on ESPN, a rare site you don't often, if ever, see on mainstream live television. One of their analysts, Dan Orlovsky, a former NFL player, took time to bow his head and pray on live TV for Hamlin and the whole situation there. Uh, meanwhile, the Hamlin family appears to be very strong in their faith. They've called for prayer as well. And the official bills and a lot of NFL social media pages are changing their um, their image to pray for DeMar. So prayer taking center stage there. Those are just some of the day's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Billy, I'm finding it very interesting. I mean, a lot of people are giving Dan Orlovsky kudos. I'm sure this is not why he did it, but... Um, it, that for praying on national TV because it's not just hey we're sending prayers he actually just stopped and prayed which is something that I think as Christians we should do more often when someone obviously needs prayer and you say I'll pray for you no just stop drop and pray yeah well and I think too you you know I don't think I heard him say it he's like I don't know if this is the right thing to do but I'm gonna do it you know he was openly saying I just I don't even yeah. know 
Um, and and then another one of the analysts was encouraging him to do it, right? So they bowed their heads. They did it right then and there. And in a culture where we're telling people, leave your faith at the door, your faith doesn't need to be a part of everything, I thought it was a really, really bold move. And it was motivated by conviction. You could sense that. Yeah, right. Like there's no like bigger point being made. And this is how we should be as a society. This is something that we've lost where – Look, if someone of a different faith wants to offer me a prayer, like I don't, of course, believe in other deities. I believe in, you know, the Christian God. So I'm not going to, you know, worship with them, but I will at least appreciate the sentiment. Okay. And I think that society has lost that with Christians. They've lost the ability to appreciate a prayer from a Christian. So to see him go out and do that, I think was important. You know, we talked about this the other day, Billy, about people leading the way. You know, the the analogy, the first one out there to dance, like good for Dan to just go out there and pray and do, you know, that was in his heart to do it. And you could tell the reason he's conflicted is because he knows everyone else to oh, leave your prayer at home, like you said. So he just ignored all that and went with it. And I think I think that's a, a great thing. And hopefully we can see more of that. Yeah. And I'd love to see more people be appreciative, you know, of the fact that even if you're an atheist, the fact that somebody cares enough about you that they took the time to do that. Right. I remember Penn Jillette saying that about atheists, right? He's an atheist about Christians that he really admired when people tried to get him saved, even though he didn't believe. Right. Because he knew that they actually cared for him. Right. Exactly. And (laughs) so, I mean, it's just one of those things that society would be better off. Um, if we treated each other that way with respect, even in our disagreements and the things we disagree on, uh, let's just have respect in those disagreements. And I think social media has contributed in large part to that going away because everyone just wants to dunk on everybody all the time. They want a pound of flesh. They want to cancel. They can't help themselves. And um, there's a lot of sin out there and it's just leading to a lot of division. And it's sad that it takes something as tragic as what's going on with Damar for it to bring people together like this. But um, sometimes, to be brutally honest, that's what it takes. It's true. Sometimes sometimes it's that recognition of something shocking to help us remember. We were talking about this yesterday, our humanity um, and that life doesn't last forever, but also um, to have some clarity on life itself. And so I think we're seeing some of that uh, right now. And what better time to reach people with prayer? So yeah. I, I admire it. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. We're going to head to the next story here. And it's kind of on a related note. I mean, evangelist Franklin Graham, he had a New Year's message on his Facebook page that went pretty viral. And what did he have to say, Billy? Well, you know, he basically acknowledged what I think a lot of people are feeling. And I don't want to leave people without hope here because there is hope and we'll get to that. Uh, But he said, look, the world seems to be imploding. Um, And again, he wrote this on social media. He talked about the beginning of 2023 and he said, you know, things are chaotic right now. Uh, He's he started to kind of cite some examples, which I think are you know, indisputable. He said there's a war brewing, obviously, in Ukraine, and it's crazy with every day that passes. He said, quote, senseless violence is rampant across the United States. Uh, And he really just kind of broke down domestically and internationally all of the dysfunction that we're watching happen right now. Does Graham think that things are going to improve or get worse? What is he? What's his outlook? Well, spoiler alert, he does not think that things are going to get um, better. You know, he, he basically said, look, things are going to get worse. And, you know, if you think things are bad now, just wait, is what he wrote. Um, but he did leave people with with some hope, which we'll get to in a moment. He, he did. And I think that's important. What did he say about 
the anti-God agendas that are out there. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. He had a line in this. He said, you know, anti-God agendas that once hid in the darkness are now proudly out in the open demanding acceptance. And so he didn't get into specifics, but I think we have some ideas of what he's talking about there. I think we're we're watching, and anybody who's seen the libs of TikTok account or watched the news um, yeah. knows that a lot of what is happening in culture is very chaotic and and you know, and it stretches beyond anything even five, ten years ago we would have thought could have been happening or being accepted in culture, and yet it's being pushed on everyone. So that I think is what he's talking about. The things that really reject the patterns that God has set in place for humanity. I know the slippery slopes, like no longer a thing. It's more like the slippery cliff. Uh, it feels <laughs> like we're going off. How does, uh, how does he think Christians should respond to all of these anti-God agendas and the, the shift of culture going in the direction he thinks it's going in? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, he talked about how nations are being overtaken by socialism and God's being removed from everything. And so after presenting all of that, he basically said, look, Christians need to react to all these troubling patterns by telling other people about Jesus Christ. He said, quote, as followers of Jesus Christ, what do we do? We tell a dying world that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's quoting John 14, 6 um, and other parts of scripture there. And then he said, quote, we urge lost souls to repent of their sins and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ before it's too late. So that's the hope, right? I mean, yeah. that's the hope in the midst of all of that pain and chaos. We've got to get back to those basics. Yeah, and I, I think that a lot of Christians are coming to this realization when it comes to things like politics. You're seeing as he mentions, society goes so far off the rails that it feels like it's beyond a political message at this point. They need deeper truths to be um, spread around. And, and I think you can only get that through the gospel. You can only get that through the Bible. You can only get that through God's word. And, and how do you deliver that? It's through God's people. It's through us. So it just seems like if you really want the things at the top to change, meaning politics down, the people that kind of essentially rule over us or quote unquote represent us. Um, you have to start by changing the culture. And that is in turn going to then turn around the politics, not the other way around. That's just my assessment of the situation. But it, it seems like Franklin Graham sort of tapping into that. And um, it, it seems like that's really where we're at as a society. Well, and you know, we, I think there was a real mistake that was made when Christians had the dominance in culture or where there was more tolerance, where it was sort of like, oh, look, we can win the culture. We can win the politics. We can win all these things and it'll help people stay in line. Now that that's gone, we're seeing that that is not how it works, right? That when those things ebb and flow and change, if you don't have a solid rooting in Christ, then everything falls apart. It's it's a house built on sand. And so a lot of us were building that house, I think, not that politics don't matter and we shouldn't be involved, but putting all our eggs in this basket that has just been obliterated now. And so we've got to get back to those basics again. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you can always count on Franklin Graham to give a solid uh, faith message. So he did, he did so again here. Thanks for bringing that one, Billy. Uh, and we're going to head into the main thing now. And this is an interesting one. Uh, Billy and I uh, spoke with John Stolness from CBN, who... Um, also does some blogging for Philadelphia sports on the Phillies. Um, and so he's big into the sports scene. And when he saw the DeMar Hamlin tragedy unfold, it triggered something in him because he had a very personal experience uh, related to seeing all these emergency crews come out. Somebody 
had a heart attack right in front of him at work and he was not prepared to deal with it. Uh, and I think that goes true for myself. And Billy was talking about it as well, that we're, we're not, most of us are not ready to deal with something like that. And so um, this is a great reminder and a great story from John Stoltis here to dive into how we can be ready and why we should be ready. That's today's main thing. After the injury to the to the young man who, who I mean, it just by all accounts seems just like a wonderful, wonderful guy. I, I was reminded of an incident that happened at one of my previous workplaces about five or six years ago. Uh, where a friend of mine, somebody I'd worked with for the better part of 10 years, uh, collapsed and, and died of a heart attack in the newsroom in, in front of us. Um, and, I, and I was the first one to him. Uh, I heard him coming up the stairs and opening the door uh, right behind me, directly behind me. And uh, I heard him run into a side room and I could tell he was unwell. He was he was sick and uh, went to go see what was what was wrong. And he collapsed in front of me. And so I was the first person to him. I was holding him, lowering him to the ground as, as he was collapsing. And, um, knowing that I, I didn't know what to do in that moment was, was, ex- was exceedingly terrifying and frustrating. And I didn't know CPR. I hadn't gone through any CPR classes. I didn't know he was having a heart attack in that moment. And so I also didn't know, well, if I, if I do CPR, would I be helping him? Would I be hurting him? I didn't know what to look for. And I also knew that we had a defibrillator in our office because I had seen a woman come in and she would check on it every year. Uh, she a couple of times showed me how to use it, but it had been a couple of years since she'd done that. And I will be honest, I wasn't paying close attention because who who thinks that someone is going to come into your office and collapse and die of a heart attack mm-hmm. at, at some point? And so uh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where the defibrillator was. And if I had known where it was, I'd, it's not one of the new ones that you see now where they will basically walk you through it. They will tell you what to do, where to place the leads, uh, when to shock and all those kinds of things. So I was just, tr- I was frozen by indecision and I didn't know what to do. And eventually the paramedics arrived. It was about 15 minutes. But by that point, it had become pretty obvious that, um, that, that it was going to be too late. And, uh, and unfortunately my, my coworker died. How did you process that? You know, and I want to get into the, the mechanics of the importance of making sure we understand and know how to do these things, but, but how did you process that event after that? It seems like a, a pretty traumatic thing to go through. I, I, it was, and we had a, a counselor come in and, and talk to everyone in the newsroom because everybody saw this happening. They saw the paramedics come in, uh, doing CPR, chest compressions, shocking our, our coworker over and over again. And, and we could tell that it wasn't going to be successful. Uh, so we, we obviously needed to talk to someone about it. So we sat down, uh, with, a with a counselor. Um, and you know, I, I do think that, um, my faith helped me through that quite a bit. Uh, knowing that you know God has a plan, He calls us home at different different times for different reasons and for different purposes. Um, I think I have a healthier view uh, as I've gotten older of mortality and 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 when it's our time, and that God is ultimately in in control of all of it. So I think in a lot of ways that that helped to compartmentalize it, for lack of a better word. But uh, it it I have largely forgotten about it as the years have gone on until something like this happens. And then, and then you remember, and then it, it takes you back. And it, it dawned on me, I can use this as an opportunity and maybe try and say something that some people should, should hear. Yeah. I, I think it's a great reminder. And, you know, honestly, I feel convicted about it because I don't think I would know what to do in an emergency situation in most cases. And like you said, if you don't know, 
you want to do something, but uh, you're afraid that maybe you're going to make the situation worse because you don't mm-hmm. really know what you're doing. And I think I think in America, we're just kind of spoiled with such great resources and great emergency crews. And there are a lot of people who are amazing and know how to do all yeah. these things. And, we'll, you know, you'll see a doctor rush onto a scene right to be the first one there you know great timing so i think we're a little a little spoiled as a country with so many great services around us that we're 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 not ready for these things and that's one of the things i noticed about uh, what happened with demar hamlin you had so many people out there so quickly and the number of medical personnel at nfl games and the speed with which they can get out to someone who's hurt and get them to a hospital and the equipment that they have on hand, they, they very likely saved his life. In any other instance, I think I saw somebody tweet that in any other spot where you have someone suffer this kind of, a, of an injury, they likely don't make it. The best places you could possibly be are in a hospital, should this happen, or on, the, on a, foot, a professional football field are the two places you are most likely to survive something like this. And it just so happens that's exactly where he was. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, because I I saw the tweets. And, and by the way, you should check this out if you haven't yet. Go over to John Stolness's uh, Twitter feed. Um, but that's where I saw you detailing this story. And I thought to myself, what would I do at the dinner table? What would I do in my own home? Mm-hmm. You know, I think we, we think of this happening a lot in public places, right? And we just yeah. had an example of that. But what happens? Would I be able to help my own kids? And you were encouraging people to go and get trained. And you can yeah. do it online, which I didn't even realize. I signed mm-hmm. up for a red or Red Cross um, course after I saw your tweets for $37 I signed up and I can take it online and I'm going to start doing that so I can learn it but but you know we again we often don't think wow this could happen in my home right. and I would just encourage people to think about their own children and their own families as well right we're, we're dads all three of us and it, it hit home to me too when, once I had children and um, I'm involved in my kids trail life uh, troop and so as a, as a leader we're required to take a CPR class every two years because we are around kids so much and even though I'm due to take it again this year and you're trained in using the defibrillator and the signs to watch out for even as recently as having taken it two years ago, those skills and, and remembering what to do have faded a little bit for me. And so I'm looking forward to taking it again. And it is something you probably should take every couple of years so that you remember. So it becomes second nature. So you don't have to try and remember what was what was the next step? Where do I attach this lead? Um, it, they are cheap. You can go get a CPR class online. You can go to your uh, county rec center. I'm sure they offer them all the times as well. And if your company doesn't have a defibrillator on hand, encourage them to get one and and please learn from from me that learn how to use it because there should be someone in the building who knows how to use it at all times. Yeah, absolutely. Great reminder. And and one last thing I'll add here is that I don't think people realize how slow time is like like mm. 15 minutes is an eternity yeah. in a crisis situation. I mean, 5 minutes is yeah. an eternity in a crisis situation. I mean, you Every second counts yeah. in those moments. And so when you hear somebody say, well, it took nine minutes to get there, you think, oh, that's pretty fast. Mm. No, not when someone's no. dying. Nine minutes is yeah. forever. And it's not the obviously the emergency crew's fault. Like they're coming from right. who knows how far away it's and they've got other things going on. So it's tough. It's tough for them to get there. That's actually a pretty fast time. But yeah. in a crisis situation, that's a very long time. It's one of the things they tell you, especially for, for heart issues. Time is heart muscle. Uh, and if, if you, the, the sooner you can start CPR, the sooner you can 
defibrillate if, if it if need be, the more likely you are to save somebody's life. It does, and and time times it seems like an eternity for for help to arrive if you don't if you don't know what to do. So, uh, the quicker you can act, the the more likely you are to save a life, probably. And appreciate John stopping by for a few minutes to share that story. I think it's actually Billy kind of courageous of him to share that story because it's a moment where he considers, you know, a regret, a regretful one for him. Yeah. And it's a traumatic moment. You know, it's something that, and he, and he talked about, like you were saying, having that regret and looking back and saying, what else could I have done? Right. Yeah. But also that now he's grown to a place where he can process it better, but it's a bold thing to share. It really. Yeah. Is. Yeah. And an important one, hopefully that, you know, could save lives. Absolutely. So appreciate John stopping by. Uh, and doing that today. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. We're going to take a look at a rather well-known verse, Philippians 4, 6, but I want to focus on the rest of the verse. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, we always hear, Billy, about the first part of that verse. Um, don't be anxious about anything, but um, it's that second point. Hey, here's what you have to do. Don't be anxious, but what do you do on the positive side? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. So uh, given what we were talking about earlier with prayer, I think this is a great scripture to look into. It is, and it, and it makes you it makes you reflect on the fact that you know, God's not a genie. We're not going right. to get every single thing that we want. But so taking that verse in the context of give it over to God, knowing that his will is what matters most and that we can tell him what we want and what we hope and what we're praying for. He wants us to do that. Um, but in light of saying, God, whatever your will is, that will be done. Even if that means it's our own death that's coming, it's our own time to leave. You know, it's, this is a hard thing to process, to understand why some get miracles and some don't. don't. But yeah. Yeah, no, I love I love that verse. Right. I mean, you think about that, like you're saying, you're, God's not a genie. You're not just going to get everything. The verse doesn't say that. It says, let your requests be made known to God. What do you get? It doesn't say you get everything that you pray for. It says, yep. and the peace of God, that's what you'll get. The peace yep. of God, which surpasses understanding. Like to your point, God's in control of this. All right. He's going to give me peace in this situation because I know he is ultimately working all things for good. And so, you know, for those who love him. So we know that in Romans, but um, that's what we can rest in as Christians. That's how we can look different from the world. That's how we can bring glory to God in all of the situations that we face in life, even the the scariest ones like we're seeing with Damar Hamlin. So, and I think you're seeing his family lean in on prayer and it's, it's having an impact. So Amen. it's a great place to leave it here on this Friday junior. And I uh, hope you all had a great day and have a great day ahead of you. And uh, we will see you, Lord willing, in that creek don't rise back here tomorrow with more. God bless. We'll see you then.